Hey, fellow Boundary Breakers, if your current delegation systems are not working to get you out of the day-to-day in your business, there is an exercise on our website that is the first step to get you out of the delegation catch-22. I'm going to throw the link in the show notes for you to go ahead and download. Every conversation and interaction is one of change. You're either in the wake of something that has recently happened you're in the moment of an existing change, or you're leading up to and prepping for a change yet to come. And really, there's overlapping ripples of many of those things at any given time. Because again, remember those 35,000 decisions we're making every day. So having that awareness and thoughtfulness is really important when we think about any interactions at work. Welcome to another episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. I'm your host, Casey Gromer. I am the founder of She Sweet Boutique. With over 20 years of marketing and business management experience, I work with small businesses and female founders using our signature business blueprint. On the show, you get tools, advice, resources, support, and encouragement that resonates with the modern businesswoman. So, fellow boundary breakers, let's dive in. Hello, fellow Boundary Breakers, and welcome to a new episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. I'm your host, Casey Gromer, and as always, you're listening to the podcast that challenges the societal boundaries placed on women entrepreneurs, and we're here talking about all the ways that we can bypass those boundaries to build a business that runs without us, and I have the guest to end all guests. You have heard me talk about her multiple times. Let's welcome Melina Palmer to the podcast. I am so thrilled and excited to call Melina my friend because she's kind of a big deal. And I asked her to come on the podcast today because some of the most prevalent challenges that we are helping clients with right now are related to managing people, whether it's hiring or firing or getting people to do what they're supposed to be doing or building a team culture that helps us retain those good employees that we find. Melina has a brand new book coming out called What Your Employees Need and Can't Tell You. And she also has the first book that she's wrote called What Your Customers Want and Can't Tell You, which I have shared on the podcast multiple times. Just a little bit of background about Melina that she is not going to tell you in today's episode is that she is a globally known keynote speaker, and everything she does at The Brainy Business is all about helping great brands and the people within those great brands do greater things. She has her own podcast, which I highly recommend, called The Brainy Business, Understanding the Psychology of Why People Buy. Her podcast has been downloaded in over 170 countries. And one of the reasons for that is Melina is one of the very few people who teaches and talks about applied behavioral economics. In fact, she is 
so unique that she also teaches behavioral economics at Texas A&M Human Behavior Lab. You can look it up if you want to dive deeper into it. You can take some of her classes, which I have on my bucket list as well. She is a proud member of the Global Association of Applied Behavioral Scientists. She's contributed to research in lots of different places, but one of the biggest accomplishments I wanted to share with you is her book, What Your Customer Wants and Can't Tell You, was the finalist in two categories of the International Book Awards. So if that doesn't convince you to go buy the book and read it, I don't know what is. But without further ado, let's welcome Melina Palmer to the podcast. Hello, Melina, and welcome to the Female Founders Breaking Boundaries podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you? Oh, thank you. I'm very excited to be here as well. Great to see you. It's been too long. It has been too long. For all of our listeners, Melina and I have known each other for a long time, actually. And you may recognize her name because I have talked incessantly about a book she wrote In fact, I have like a few copies here that I like to send out to clients. Melina, why don't you, before we dive in, I get, I'm going to get ahead of myself here because I'm so excited about the content. Tell people who you are, what you do, and what you do is a little unique. So let's spend a little time talking about that. Sure. So my name is Melina Palmer. I am an applied behavioral economist which is essentially helping people to understand how the brain really works, the psychology of why people act, choose, change, and buy. So those who've been listening to my podcast for a long time, because like we said, Casey and I know a lot of the same people, uh, potentially you've heard the psychology of why people buy, and I'm expanding it a bit. And so the first book is What Your Customer Wants and Can't Tell You. Uh, My second book is What Your Employees Need and Can't Tell You, all about change management and understanding how the brain reacts to change and just being able to communicate better with everyone, whether that's internally with your teams, whether those are vendor partners or freelancers or actual employees, as well as with your clients, customers, whatever you have. Yeah. And I think maybe not everybody is as nerdy as I am. And I don't know if this is even nerdy, but you did not mention the name of your podcast. So where can people find you? Yeah, definitely nerdy. It's called The Brainy Business. (laughs) And that's the name of my company too. Yes. And if you listen to the podcast, which you should, everything Melina talks about is just so freaking interesting because it's all about what drives people to do what we do. And what's so interesting about it is sometimes we don't even realize why we're doing something. It's so like innate in us. And so every time I listen to her podcast, I think about things that I do that I just don't even think about. So definitely go over there and listen. Now, Melina and I really want to talk about her new book that's coming out, which I have pre-ordered and I got a sneak copy of. So I'm super excited about that. But your new book is all about employees and managing change, which ties in phenomenally to this podcast. But before we do that, I can't not talk about what your customer wants because I think that that book has made a significant impact on so many people and so many businesses. And I highly recommend it. And anyone who's listening to this podcast should run out and buy it. Can you talk a little bit about what's in that book and what people are going to get out of it? And why 
it's so beneficial no matter who you are in business. Yeah. Well, thanks for the the lead up. I'll try to uh, to live up to the hype. <laughs> it comes easily. It comes easily for you. <laughs> thanks. So this first book and the podcast itself, I really am taking a lens of making it so behavioral economics can come out of academia and into application. So for me, I love the field of behavioral economics and behavioral science and being able to understand the brain and the rules that it's using to help make decisions. So when we look at decision making, and this applies both on the customer side and the employee side, as a moment here, listener and, you know, Casey for you as well to think, how many decisions do you make on an average day? Like if you think about yesterday, you know, how many decisions do you make? If I make three decisions, it's too many, (laughs) but I think you're going to tell me it's in the thousands. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so that's where people would say, you know, it's like, oh, 50 or 500, or maybe you're going to go crazy and say 5,000. I made 5,000 decisions yesterday, which seems ridiculous to say, right? Oh my God. Yeah. Research shows that the average person actually makes 35,000 remotely conscious decisions every single day. No wonder I'm exhausted at night. (laughs) Right? So much going on. And that's not just like breathe in, breathe out. You know, these are uh, different level of decisions. So clearly that's not all being done on a conscious level. That subconscious brain is doing the vast majority of the processing that we have at any given time. And it can only make those quick, like you're saying, kind of innate, automatic decision-making processes, which are important for efficiency and things in our brain power. If it's using rules of thumb for how to do things based on what has worked well in the past. So the status quo and predictability is really important in being able to make decisions. And what we know from behavioral science is the process of figuring out those rules that the brain is using to make decisions and where they might come into play. So the book, What Your Customer Wants and Can't Tell You, starts with part one telling you some of these things about how the brain works much more than, you know, that 35,000 decision things. But, you know, we've got lots of stuff there, how the brain works. Then I'm introducing 16 concepts of the hundreds that I think are most important in business to be able to use and apply and understand. And I break those down chapter by chapter. So in that book, there's a chapter on framing. There's a chapter on loss aversion and scarcity and hurting. So you can learn about them one at a time. And then you start to look at how you can combine them together to be applied for pricing strategy, for creating advertisements and communication Mm -hmm. and things like that, all the ways you can start to weave them together so that you can be more effective in the way that you communicate in your messaging out to customers. Let me tell you a little application of this philosophy. So I have a tool called the customer journey. Some of you might think of it as a marketing funnel. I guarantee you your your marketing funnel and my marketing funnel are not the same thing. And anyway, when I started looking at this marketing funnel or this customer journey in terms of what Melina is talking about and making those 35,000 decisions, and when it's hard for somebody to make a decision, they probably aren't going to make it. And so we we build your marketing funnel, your customer journey based on making it easier for that customer to make a decision, even if it's no, 
or yeah, it doesn't matter. We just want to make that thought process for them really seamless. So we've applied a lot of the ideas and concepts that you talk about in the book into that process. And it is just eye-opening for so many of our clients who don't think of their marketing in that way. So again, I cannot say it enough. Go buy the damn book. (laughs) Okay. Shifting gears a little bit because we do want to talk about like leadership. Basically, to me, that's what what we're talking about here. So remind the audience, because I'm going to make them go to Amazon and do a pre-order. What's the title, the full title of the book? It is on Amazon, by the way. So go to Amazon right now. <laughs> we'll wait. Yeah. yeah. No. So it's it's what your employees need and can't tell you. And then if you want the full, full title, you know, the subhead there is adapting to change with the science of behavioral economics. Nice. So, Yes, it's a nice, nice long one. Don't you worry. As far as uh, it's not a quick kind of shorthand title, but it's one that you can usually still remember. So in this book, it is taking a lot of similar concepts and application, all the same brain roles, but looking at how that applies to teams. And specifically, I put this onto the angle of the leader of a team. Yes. And so that can either be people who work for you. So whether you're inside of an organization and you have a team of 10 that report to you, or you own a business and you have freelancers you're managing or employees, or you are managing people on teams that don't report to you, which arguably is more difficult and in a lot of ways, even more important to be able to influence people who have no real reason to do what you want them to do. (laughs) to make it so they're more likely to naturally adapt to the change and feel good about whatever it is that you are recommending. Because, and you know, spoiler that we'll get to with a lot of this, and I talk about this in my pricing strategy and everything, I use the same framework for pricing strategy as I do for change. And it's called, it's not about the cookie. So when it comes to pricing is not about price, change is not about change. the change itself. It's all the stuff in the way that you present it. What comes first and around that change matters more than the change itself. Yes. And I do know that you talk about it's not about the cookie on the podcast as well. So I don't know if that's Googleable. Is that a word, <laughs> Googleable? But yeah, it is actually a very interesting. I don't want to, it's not a story. It's a, what do you, well, what do you yeah, I use this as an introduction, which I can give a little bit here. That's fine. So there is the episode, I believe it is episode seven of the oh, podcast yeah. where so I first, first introduced <laughs> this. So truth about pricing was episode five. And that's where I first talk about the cookie framework, the change management application of it, I believe is episode seven. It might be eight. I always get those two mixed up for some reason. Listen to all of them. You'll figure it out. (laughs) Whichever, you know, it's a good one too. It's talking about value and understanding the difference between cost, price, value, and whatnot. So it's an interesting one, I think, too. But uh, in this case, imagine we're walking down the street, having an interesting conversation, catching up, and then uh, we're very engrossed in the conversation. But then all of a sudden, 
there's this delicious scent that comes wafting mm. down the street. It's sweet and a little bit salty and you smell there's brown sugar and a hint of chocolate. We realize chocolate chip cookies are baking nearby. And I can smell it right excited. now, actually. Right? Yeah? Okay, right. I know, putting in those priming words for you. Yes, yes. So we smell them, and we're still talking now, but we're like cartoon characters walking down the streets where our nose like, yeah. is guiding us down to try to find this. We're a little distracted, and then we see the store, and we that there's a line, and so we go stand in line, and they say, hey, for today only, we're doing a special promotion, buy three, get one free, and here's a free sample before we know it. We walk out of there each eating a cookie and with a bag in hand mm -hmm. for later. Oh, yeah. Okay. So same street. We're going to take a step back now. So we're walking down, same conversation. And then someone comes up and shoves a coupon in our faces and says, hey, hey, today only I have uh, these. Uh, if you buy four cookies, you only have to pay for three of them. And I've got samples. Like. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. guy like get out of here no, right <laughs> how rude are you we were having a conversation right <laughs> now we're having a chat about terrible sales experiences by the time we get in front of the store and we see the line and pity the people that are there for how terrible standards they have compared to us right we then are looking to do a you know yelp review about how we would never buy for them and by the time we smell the cookies we hate them right <laughs> and would never buy them right in the first scenario, those cookies could have been $3 each. Maybe they were only 50 cents in the second one. It doesn't matter. We were almost definitely buying, assuming they're not like $100 in the first one, and pretty well definitely not in the second scenario, even if they're the same cookies. And again, even if the price is vastly different, and it's because, again, it's not about the cookie, mm -hmm. it's about the sequence of events. And what's important to note, and like I said, the change management framework of it's not about the cookie is part three of the new book it really digs in on this. And I talked about it in the first book too. But all the same things happened, all the same conceptual levers were pulled, but they were in a reverse order. So it's important that you start with that scent of the cookies that draws the subconscious in that gets someone interested, or it's going to really repel them. In the case of change management, I use the scent of popcorn. Ah, where we think of this. So if you go to a movie and there's that like amazing, delicious popcorn smell, we are getting sodas and candies and it's like part of the experience, right? Now we've all been in an office where someone burnt a yeah, bag of popcorn. Yeah, say that. <laughs> and did anyone get work done for the next like four hours no. after that? <laughs> Because it's all about the burnt popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet that was Melina. You know, last week she reheated some salmon and broccoli in the microwave. No, what a monster. No, you didn't. It's all anyone can talk about is that burnt popcorn. Yeah. And it just is this negative thing that kind of soaks into everything. So when you are sending out communication about a change, you want to be cognizant of if that is coming off really well, like fresh baking cookies, or it's burnt popcorn that you are putting out into the world that's going to prime people in this really negative way. I give a story in the book, not to just like keep going on and on here, but of a past uh, boss who I had gotten an email at. 10 o'clock in the morning that said, we need to talk, be in my office at two. Oh, I hate those. 
I want to shut down because I'm like, I'm getting fired. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in trouble. What I was like racking my brain. God, what could I have done in the last couple of days? Yes. Right. So, you know, I spent the next four hours <laughs> no. freaking out, finding everything I could. Where's every single project I'm working on? What's every conversation I might have had trying to figure all these things out? And by 1.58, you know, I'm all shaky, mm -hmm. trying to gather myself going into, wait to go into this meeting. And she waves me in and says, go ahead and take a seat. And I'm just like armed and ready for battle, <laughs> right? And says, hey, I just wanted to let you know, you know I'm going to be out of the office tomorrow and I'm putting you as my out of office <laughs> in my email. Every time. Contact. And it's like, that's really it. That that really was the whole thing. But if you can imagine, if she was then bringing me in to talk about some big change or something I had done wrong or whatever we're looking to shift, am I by any means ready to receive that information in a way that this is going to go well? Absolutely not. So knowing that the way that you lead up to the change and in the moment of the conversation and then after an argument I make in the book is that every conversation and interaction is one of change. You're either in the wake of something that has recently happened, you're in the moment of an existing change, or you're leading up to and prepping for a change yet to come. And really, there's overlapping ripples of many of those things at any given time. Because again, remember those 35,000 decisions we're making every day. So Having that awareness and thoughtfulness is really important when we think about any interactions at work. Well, and a couple of ideas come to mind for our listeners, too, on why they're really going to want to go pick up this book. First of all, you and I had kind of talked about this before we hit record. Now, neither one of us is like super knowledgeable about this trend, but if you've been on LinkedIn or have been listening on Twitter or whatever, we're talking about employees who are quietly quitting. and. From my understanding of the concept, what it means is employees are kind of fed up or they have bad leadership, which we've talked about in this podcast quite a bit. And they're either like silently working themselves out of a job or they're just not putting in the effort anymore. And, you know, however you feel about that term or not, there's a lot of employers out there and us as small businesses as well who are thinking about our culture, our company culture, and how we're leading and how we're treating team members and trying to do a better job so we can retain them. Because as we know from COVID, the employer crisis <laughs> was real. So I have another idea too. But first, let's kind of talk about how you think the book is primed to respond to change of culture or change in how we're interacting with our teams to either retain them or, you know, do whatever's best for the team. Yeah. Well, while I was writing the book, which feels like a thousand years ago <laughs> now, uh, but it was where the great resignation was very top of mind and a big conversation. And so quiet quitting in a lot of ways isn't that different. And it stems, I think, in a similar space. As I mentioned to you, we're recording this, obviously, before this is going to come out and air. And so we've been uh, like sort of reading up on it, but not enough to have the full, full, full scope. So if I misspeak on something, apologies, right? <laughs> In this, Oh, I misspeak on stuff all the time. <laughs> 
So there, I think, are a couple of sides to this. One would be, and in the book, in part one, I end part one with two chapters, the first of which is, so actually the first chapter of the entire book is culture, change, and the brain, right? So where you're talking about this very much tied Right on target, yeah. And then there's another chapter that's got more brain stuff. And then there's a chapter that's called Change is All About You. And the next one is, and it has nothing to do with you. Oh. Okay. Right. So in the same thing with this quiet quitting and thinking about culture, in it being all about you, it is your responsibility to look inward and at the way you are presenting information and how that is contributing either positively or negatively to everyone else's experience. So when we think about change, when you think about the satisfaction of your employees, any of these conversations... How can I be better? Like, what's my responsibility to make change easier on everyone else? So that's where it's all about you. It's your job to look at how you can make this easier. It has nothing to do with you is you don't want to then make that be. And so how would I want to hear information? Mm. How would I want to be communicated to or celebrated or what would matter to me? Doesn't matter. It's not about you. It's about them. And when you look back in Great Resignation, you know, and wonderful, wonderful friend Gleb Sapersky wrote the foreword of my book, and he's done a lot of, wrote a book and done a lot of work about hybrid and going back to work at, after you know the pandemic. And there were lots and lots of big companies that were creating big plans and programs and never actually asking employees what they wanted and assuming you have a lot of managers who feel at their best in person and assume everyone else wants that as well. And then you didn't ask and you have people who are willing to take, in some cases, his research has found a pay cut of 10% or more to be able to keep that hybrid or completely virtual experience that they are able to have. So it's not just about money. Mm -hmm. It's not just about some of these more traditional benefits, but the way that we think about work and our lives and the balance of those things is really important. So bringing that back to this quiet quitting piece. Yeah. When we think about employees and what they want and helping them to feel supported and that they have this passion and drive at work and that they're internally intrinsically motivated, which is something I talk about in the book a lot, how you can be looking for that is really important to help people feel like it's not just a job, but it's something that's very important to them where they're not like doing the bean counting of like, okay, one more minute and feeling like you're just waiting for the clock to change (laughs) over. I've been in a job like that before. (laughs) Me too, right? I had a job where I was actually having to do inventory management for an electrical wholesaling distributor and go like count screws in the warehouse all day long. Legit job, right? But (laughs) so we don't need the clock in, clock out mindset. So for one, to help them to feel like there's passion there is helpful to avoid this kind of quiet quitting. And... Maybe if we take a step back and say, is it reasonable to expect that people are going to be going above and beyond their job descriptions all the time? Ooh, I like and where if this they're is not, going. there's something wrong with them? <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> I feel like that's an unreasonable expectation yeah. and that we should also, as 
employers be looking for that balance of how we can help people to feel supported and have the balance. And there's plenty of research showing people like to put in some time when they have the balance and we need rest. We need breaks. I Mm -hmm. talk in the book about the importance of not having so much stress and deadlines and busy work and extra stuff because it makes people less creative. It makes them less effective, more likely to be in the status quo in a way that's not helpful. So if we can lighten that load, not expect a bunch of busy work and junk, but really focus on the right stuff in the right times, I think we can avoid a lot of that quiet quitting peace and help people to be more passionate about the work that they're doing. Oh, this is, I have like a thousand, like, I've got so many comments, but I know we're limited on time. So I'm going to keep some of them to myself. But a lot of the stuff that Melina is talking about ties in so well with the services that we provide here, actually. So my thought is read the book and then it's going to improve the work that we do together with you at C-Suite because the passion that you were talking about, that's what clients are coming to us to get their employees passionate about the business. And that's what we use the business blueprint for here. And then where we're not expecting people to go above and beyond all the time and getting out some of the busy work, that's where we use our delegation and accountability tools for so that we can look across what people are doing in their physical jobs and remove the things that don't matter so they can focus only on what's the most important thing. So some good stuff. So Melina, you talked earlier about when it's not about the cookie and it's how you present things or how you tee things up or how you manage the communication around that. A lot of our clients struggle to have difficult conversations with employees, and those difficult conversations can come in all sorts of flavors, whether it's you're not performing or you did something that shouldn't have happened, or I don't like the way you're doing something, or maybe it's even like, this is not working out, whatever. I imagine the book probably doesn't cover this in specific... Well, you know what the word is I'm trying to say. (laughs) Specificity? Whatever. (laughs) We'll go with it. It is the specificity. Like there I, you it's go. Like, that's our oh. new bare necessities uh, throwback from the Jungle Book that totally popped into my brain there. So you're welcome, world. <laughs> yes, thank you. Because I know all the listeners were like, <laughs> I, I know I can't say that word either. <laughs> anyway, so I'm wondering though if there are tools in the book from a communication perspective to help our listeners think about having those conversations in a way that's more productive or more helpful. Yeah. So a couple things with my students and with clients, this comes up often. So there's part being (laughs) the we have a confirmation bias and we have a focusing illusion problem in the way when we look at someone who's on the team. So and many other things, but this being, so if you say, Melina is totally underperforming, she doesn't care about her job. I bet she's quietly quitting (laughs) behind the scenes. (laughs) And you're starting to focus on that. Then when I'm coming in for the meeting, you're looking for, and our brains like to prove that they're better, smarter, faster than everyone else, including the S of five minutes ago. So we're going to be looking at And the brain is filtering through that subconscious for all the things that show that I'm underperforming, that I don't care about my job, that I'm not focused on this and is trying to like make me feel smart. 
Yeah. The person coming in, assuming they have some awareness that you're unhappy, which a lot of times is not the case, which is going to get to the second point here. Assuming that when they think, uh, you know, in this case, Melina is now manager, right? Melina obviously doesn't care about what I think or what I say. She's constantly putting me down. She's not interested in my opinion on stuff. I'm overworked and overwhelmed and she doesn't even care. I'm now looking for everything that is validating and proving that to be right. And we're just growing further and further and further apart. Mm. So when you go into any sort of conversation, and as far as another book, I actually have two books and a podcast that I would recommend that are supplemental. So Kwame Christian is a great friend of mine. His podcast is called Negotiate Anything. He has a brand new book that's called How to Have Difficult Conversations About Race. It's fantastic. He's fantastic. Really recommend him. He's been on my podcast three times. The only person that I've had on three times. Another great book I highly recommend is called Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott, which if you've never talked about it, if you haven't read it, like go get that thing. It's awesome. Love, love, love. And I talk about it in the book a lot. When we're going into the conversation, as I said, in the has everything to do with you and it's not about you, right? Mm -hmm. So this is a moment of reflection. And I know this is going to be the hard thing to hear. And I've had this with my own employees uh, over time too, right? Where you go, Susie just doesn't get it. And I want this thing. And then if I look back on what I have actually said, Mm -hmm. what policies I actually have in place, what direction I really gave, I never actually set the expectation for Mm -hmm. the thing that I wanted. And so I have this very unrealistic expectation of this person to be reading my mind. And especially when it's small business and you're creating things as you go and you have lots of things going on, I would always recommend to take a moment of reflection and kind of stepping out of your own way to see what have you done to contribute to this situation and how can you help to improve it? It's okay to look and say, hey, and actually it's having this transparency of being able to say, I've realized, this is to employee, if you come into this conversation and say, hey, I was realizing that it felt like there were a lot of things being missed and I can see that I didn't properly communicate what I was expecting here. So I want to let you know, this is more of what I'm looking for in this case. I'm looking for things to be on my desk by Wednesday at noon so that this can happen by Friday. Does this level set with what expectations you have? How is this going to be doable for you? What can I be doing to help that be more possible for you? Right. Oh, do I, I hope you guys were taking notes. And it's a good thing we can hit rewind right? because I'm like, <laughs> do you know how many conversations I've had in the last two months that that would have been so amazingly helpful? And I have similar, I mean, I'm not a terrible person at having those conversations. <laughs> and in fact, I do a lot of self reflection. But it's still, I mean, I still can see that bias there. And also the way I communicate it is not that great. So I love this suggestion that you just gave. Yeah, I'm I'm glad. And it's not an easy thing to do. But when we're able to open up in that way and make it more about us and say, I'm working on this thing, will you help me? 
And and then we we're leveraging part of an IKEA effect of them being part of the process. That vulnerability is really important in someone. We're giving a little, so they want to open up and give back to us and mm-hmm. be part of that solution. And then if they mess up, <laughs> it's very clear to say, "Hey, remember that conversation yeah. we had?" You know, then you have something to look back to. Uh, it's a little bit different if it was very clear boundary and they're missing a mark and you can still have a more open conversation about that versus I just recommend don't ever go into any conversation looking to win and prove to someone else that they're wrong and you are right and try to get them on board with the real way of doing things. It just isn't going to go over very well. I hope our listeners don't do that. (laughs) No, we all do it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's, that's what I learned about myself from, following you and listening to you is like, there are things that we subconsciously do that we would never admit to ourselves or to anyone else. (laughs) Right. It's not your intent. And now that you have an awareness of it and know that your brain is kind of biased to approach things in this way, as is everyone else's, the the book and and everything else uh, really that I talk about is helping you to see where you can change your own behavior, both in the way you react to things, the way you deliver things to just help make all work and change and everything easier on everybody. Well, Melina, I think you have given us some amazing insight and hopefully we've given some examples of how this information applies to you, which is very applicable. I do want to say that Melina's writing style is, so she's talking a lot about academic stuff, but the way she writes is so relatable. She uses stories that are very down to earth, like stuff that you and I can actually relate to. And in fact, she's pretty damn funny. So I love that you're doing that with this like hard to digest content and turning it into something that lay people like me and anyone else on this podcast can actually not only read, but enjoy reading about. So if you had concerns about the book not being something that you could read, it is. Is Amazon the best place to get the book? Yeah, Amazon's great. You can also, it's at Barnes & Noble, Target, okay. you know, Bookshop, wherever you... You're in Target. Oh my Ooh, God. Wherever you Target. find books, you can get there. And if you want to check out that reading, writing style to see if it's a fit for you, I do have a free gift that is available for all your listeners. If you want to go to thebrainybusiness.com slash boundaries, you can check out and get the first chapter of either or both books for free and take a read, see if it's a fit for you and go ahead and check that out. And also all of those links are going to be in the show notes like they always are. And just one more question for you, Melina. You don't just write books and host a podcast. You actually have your own business. Can you tell listeners you know, really quickly about that business. And if they want to get more from you, how they can connect with you and have you like step in and help them out in their own business. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. Really best place to go is thebrainybusiness.com. You can find more about the work that I do, uh, the podcast, the books, all of that is there. Uh, you can also find me on all the socials as the brainy biz, B-I-Z, or just connect with Melina Palmer or follow me on LinkedIn. And you can always just send an email, melina at thebrainybusiness.com. You're amazing, friend. Thank you so much for sharing this with our listeners. And I'm sure we'll find a a reason for you to come back on the podcast. You have so much insight. Sounds good. I would love to. Honey, what is it that you wanted to tell our listeners today? Get out there and break some boundaries and do it for me and my generation. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Female Founders Breaking Boundaries. If you enjoyed this episode, would you be willing to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in? You can connect with me on LinkedIn using the link in the show notes. And until next week, don't be afraid to get out there and break some boundaries.